Hi there, everybody. This is Tom Salemi, and you are listening to the first MedTech Talk podcast of 2017. Welcome back. Happy New Year, and I hope you uh, survived and slash enjoyed uh, J.P. Morgan. I understand uh, it was the usual crush, and uh, the rain uh, put the damper on some of the uh, the on-the-street meetings that uh, we all enjoy there in San Francisco. But uh, I'm sure it was productive for all of you, and uh, I hope you're finding your way home if you haven't already. This is, uh, again, our first podcast of 2017. We're going to be uh, ramping up our MedTech Talk podcast, bringing you new stories each week about our MedTech industry. Uh, this is a fantastic industry, one that I've been covering for close to 20 years. And uh, I really, really enjoy uh, the opportunity to put together this podcast and the content to, uh, to continue to tell the successful stories and to help uh, understand some of the less successful stories in MedTech. And the culmination of all these efforts of the, the podcast and of this content is the MedTech Conference. The MedTech Conference will be taking place uh, this year on June 1st, as it did last year. It's in uh, Minneapolis at the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel, where we've held it for, uh, for many years. And uh, it is going to be a, a fantastic event. Uh, we reported last month that we had our uh, strategic meeting in Minneapolis. I flew out there, a few colleagues and myself, to meet with, uh, with the leaders in MedTech and to find out really what was troubling them the most uh, what problems they wanted to have sort of vetted on the public stage or discussed on the public stage, and how the MedTech Conference can uh, can help MedTech overcome the challenges it's facing and to, uh, and to honestly, to also hear about some of the successes that we're seeing. Uh, MedTech is, is seeing some difficult time. We're not going to deny that at all. But it also um, has had some terrific uh, outcomes that uh, really need to be celebrated, and that's something... We do at the MedTech Conference. We did last year. We had our uh, our great um, Innovator of the Award a year and uh, went to uh, Andrew Cleland, who uh, we hope we'll have on the podcast in a couple of weeks. And uh, we want to continue to uh, to do that again, focus on the successes and help understand and solve the problems. So what we do, and uh, let, me just under- let me just explain sort of the process for the MedTech Conference we had our strategy meeting in uh, in December because we really feel it's important to hear directly uh, from the CEOs and investors in MedTech. And now I'm working with our great co-chairs, Kevin Hikes. He, of course, is the CEO of MetaVention and Stacey Enzing-Sang. She is a venture partner at Lightstone Ventures and, of course, has uh, has had great success in MedTech, uh, ending her uh, her career in, in uh, operations at, uh, at Covidian, where she led the vascular group, but, of course, getting involved with Assimed and EV3 before that, two enormously successful ventures. And Kevin and Stacy uh, sort of are now taking, and myself are, are taking all the information we collected from the strategy meeting, working uh, with our advisory board members to put together a really dynamic day of, uh, of MedTech discussion. So we're in that process. We're honing the agenda because, again, we, we really feel like these issues and, uh, and these topics need to come from the grassroots. They need to come from the MedTech community. So we're in that process. We'll have the agenda up on our website, medtechconference.com, uh, very soon. It's going to be sort of a boilerplate agenda, but we're going to give you a sense of the direction we're going, and we'll be updating that with speakers uh, as we secure them. So I'm really excited about this year's event. Uh, Stacy and Kevin 
are uh, are amped up, and uh, they've both been uh, huge parts of the success of the MedTech Conference. Kevin, of course, was co-chair last year, and Stacy has been uh, an excellent uh, member of our advisory board. So, as part of the uh, of the the, the sort of storytelling process behind the conference, we're going to uh, have podcasts and video interviews with uh, with those who are in MedTech, uh, in, in maybe not affiliated with the conference, but also we're going to be talking with people who are, are helping us put the agenda together because we want this to be an inclusive podcast. We're not just trying to uh, promote the MedTech conference. We're trying to promote MedTech. That's our mission. So uh, this week, though, we're going to – this week and next week, we'll lead off with our co-chairs. This week, I'm going to speak with uh, Kevin Hikes. He and I sat down at uh, Fox Rothschild's office in Minneapolis and, uh, and really talked about what uh, – Kevin's had a couple of great exits with Visiogen and with Cameron Health. And now he's leading a startup. And, and my question is sort of centered around how do you take what you learn from those successful M&As that you've had in the past and use those experiences to shape how you're running a startup? So I think it's, an, it's a really vital question for anyone writing, running a startup today. You, you want to build the best possible company you can. But in all fairness, the, the most likely outcome for any startup is an acquisition. So... How do you keep one eye on running uh, the best, you know, shaping the best company possible and the other eye sort of further down the road looking at the horizon of, of what an exit might be? So Kevin is a great person to talk to about that. I'm going to uh, let him do the talking. We'll get into the interview right away. But again, I want to let you know the MedTech Conference is happening on June 1st in Minneapolis, the Lowe's Minneapolis Hotel. We, uh, registrations are open. We're, we're, we've already got people signed up, which is fantastic. Thank you so much. Go to medtechconference.com to register. If you have questions for me directly, feel free to email me at tom at healthogy.com. Tom at healthogy.com. Healthogy is spelled with the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. I'm the content director at Healthogy. We've got a great story going on here that uh, we'll share in, uh, in future podcasts. And uh, I want to hear from you. What, what issues do you want to hear at the MedTech Conference or on a podcast, uh, we can we can help you both ways uh, with meetings in, in person or through this type of uh, content. So let's get into this conversation with Kevin Hikes, the co-chair of the MedTech Conference and CEO of Medivention and operating partner at Versant Ventures. Hi, this is Tom Salemi. We're on location in Minneapolis, and we're happy to be here with Kevin Hikes, who is once again, for some strange reason, agreed to be co-chair of our wonderful MedTech conference. Kevin, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be here. Great. Kevin is the CEO of Medivention, which we'll learn about in a second, and also an operating partner at Versant Ventures, so that's, that's uh, right. quite a resume you're building there. Well, it's uh, an exciting way to kind of live in both worlds at the same time. <laughs> I it's bet. It's fun. Tell us about Medivention before we get into the, some other comments. Uh, yeah, topics. Medivention is a, uh, a f- up until a few months ago, a stealth mode, early stage um, medical device company focused on type 2 diabetes. And one of a handful of um, a small group of companies focused on interventions for type 2 di- sure. diabetic patients yep. in what's otherwise an exclusively pharmaceutical world. And so we're one of the, f- we're actually the only one really that's focused on neuromodulation for type 2 diabetes. The others are largely focused on replicating the effects of bariatric surgery in a much less invasive fashion. So companies like Fractal, Valentex, GI Dynamics, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So in our case, we believe we've discovered a neurological uh, trigger that, Im- that uh, in a pathological state um, makes insulin resistance worse 
and decreases uh, insulin production. Wow. And by modulating that trigger, we can improve insulin resistance and potentially even increase beta cell function and insulin production. So it's an interesting sort of novel approach to managing a disease right now that's very difficult to manage with the existing pharmaceutical options. What, uh, how does one get out of stealth mode? What happened to, uh, for you to lift the covers off of MetaVention? Well, we successfully, after three and a half years, filed enough intellectual property mm-hmm. um, to be comfortable being more open about the space we're working in. Mm-hmm. And so we published our first animal work last summer and have been uh, increasingly more open about what we're up to. We're about to raise uh, capital next mm-hmm. spring, so we'll be uh, much more visible then, we hope. Uh, but it's kind of the right time for us after three years of heads down work in the animal lab and preclinical science and a 40-patient uh, first-in-human trial, which is almost complete, to now sort of take the covers off and understand what value we may have created and how we can raise capital to uh, move the project forward. And you're, you're I mentioned you're with Versin, affiliated with Versin as an operating partner. Um, are they an investor in the company? Do you have they other are. investors? Uh, they are an investor. We also have a strategic investor who's mm-hmm. technically confidential, oh. but a great big cardiovascular and diabetes company um, in the Midwest. Interesting. Okay. So... Is the um, this is really your first startup? You you've had a lot of success in medtech. You were CEO of Visiogen and saw that to to its uh, sale, and we're going to get into that in a second. And also, of course, Cameron Health, which uh, was an enormous exit. What is uh, what is life like for a startup CEO? How do you how do you enjoy that process? Well, you know, in my case, I, I spent 17 years at Medtronic. Much of that here in the Twin Cities. Um, that was sort of chapter one. But in my three startup experiences since then, um, I've found it to be, uh, for me at least, a much more exciting way, sometimes terrifying, more often invigorating, but a much more exciting way to build value, to help patients, to be really um, with your sleeves rolled up in the thick of the fight in med tech. And so, you know, I've had a couple, I've worked for uh, Abbott for six months after they acquired Visiogen. Mm -hmm. I worked for Boston Scientific for six months after they acquired Cameron, but I, I continue to sort of gravitate back towards um, the startup environment because it's to me it's compelling it's dynamic you're agile you can you can move so much more quickly and for me that's that's gratifying so I'm not sure I'd have it any other way at this point. We we talk so much about M and A at the MedTech conference for obvious reasons it's the primary exit if not the sole exit for uh, for device investors and entrepreneurs. With those two major uh, acquisitions on your uh, your resume. Could you give us shed a little light on, on what those processes were like? Were there similarities between the two? Are there commonalities between companies? And, and, and maybe let's just address Visiogen first. Uh, give us the terms of the sale and, uh, and then maybe get into the commonalities between that and Cameron Health and give the details of that as well. Yeah, so Visiogen, and I was the chief commercial officer, just oh, to correct you, not the CEO, but Thank joined you. a fan- fantastic team. Um, as they were initiating European commercialization and completing their FDA trial. So it was sort of a mid to late stage venture. But I think the reason I joined it was it was a highly differentiated technology, mm-hmm. an intraocular lens that in theory delivered um, objective accommodation. Um, it was a massive market, so still considered one of the sort of holy grails of ophthalmology is solving presbyopia. And, you know, and the third point, there were, there were a number of potential owners of that asset if it was indeed successful. So to me, those are sort of, as I've seen over and over, the, you know, the three sort of recipes for success in, with a startup or a mm-hmm. new venture or new technology. You've got to have people that want to buy it, and it's got to be a big enough market to matter, and it's got to be a different enough approach that you can truly differentiate yourself. So Visiogen um, checked all three of those boxes. Sure. What, what happened, you know, fortunately, as Abbott got involved in ophthalmology uh, as we were raising our Series D, uh, they bought AMO, American Medical Optics, and suddenly became more acquisitive. So we had sort of an injection of capital and interest and uh, motivation in the space. And we were n- 
completing our FDA trial. So we had a 300-patient data set that demonstrated the value of the technology, we thought. And so it created uh, somewhat unexpectedly a process uh, shortly after we raised our Series D uh, that had multiple buyers and a competitive situation, as you hope often is the case, that led to a very attractive exit, an, an unexpected one. We mm-hmm. had not planned to sell, sell the company. We, I don't believe you can uh, ever plan to sell a company. You build it, you build value, you build it for the long term. And if you do it well, um, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody. Tom here. Excuse the interruption of this great interview with Kevin Hikes. I just wanted to invite you to go to medtechconference.com to uh, find out more information about the conference. Not only will you have information about registering this year, but we'll have uh, lists of attendees from last year. So if you want to see the delegate list, uh, the firms that are represented at our conferences, uh, please do go. You'll know all the names on there. And uh, we hope that you'll be on the list for this upcoming conference on June 1st in Minneapolis. Now back to this interview. And, and and it's interesting to note now that Abbott is is uh, divesting AMO and, and selling that to J and J kind of demonstrates the the it's, it's sometimes it's a timing thing sometimes your company has to have interest in that area at that time and be willing to pay what you need them to pay. Indeed, you know, and in the case of Isogen, the disappointment in all of that was the FDA to this day, six or seven years later, still does not have has not approved a single accommodating lens since the first and only crystal lens. And they've not yet figured out how to measure objective accommodation. That was the problem with Physiogen. We were the second one through the, through the process, and they, they said, well, we're not quite sure how to measure this you know, objective uh, change in the eye. And so in, even up until now, they've not approved that product. And I think that was a disappointment for everybody, investors, our team, Abbott, of course. So we're, it's unfortunate that that happened. Absolutely. And Cameron Health was a, another great space and a, sort of a different story as the acquisition. Give us, some ter- give us the terms of that deal and, and a little bit of background. Yeah, and that was, again, a similar stage. You know, uh, had been commercial in Europe for several years, was completing the FDA trial, sort of late stage, uh, about to, to, to get FDA approval. Um, it was a, a bit more of a troubled asset. It was a tremendous technical challenge that took more capital mm-hmm. um, and more time than anyone had thought. My predecessor, uh, Jay Warren, did a fantastic job solving you know, one of the toughest problems in CRM, in electrophysiology. So uh, you know, I inherited a great team, a tremendous product, um, and it took some, some uh, re- adjustments you know, to refinance the company and to sort of get it ready for a legitimate commercial um, operation. And so we, d- we did that, and again, we had a, a deal in place with Boston Scientific, but it was dormant, and the relationship was a bit strained. So no one was uh, betting on a rescue by mm-hmm. Boston Scientific. And so we said, Let's, how do you build value with this company and with this opportunity, irregardless of what the outcome might be? And so we weren't betting on that particular outcome. We said, let's create uh, an asset that would be of interest to a number of different players and, and see what happens. And in fact, in the end, Boston, uh, due to the strength of our data, sort of re-engaged and, uh, and decided to pull the trigger on this, what had been a dormant eight-year-old deal. And what are the, the challenges for an early-stage company like Medivention? Again, looking forward, it's way too soon, it's way too early to guess how this story will end. But are you checking off boxes now as a CEO to, to create a company that will be uh, something that could be acquired in the future? Are you, are you looking that far ahead? Well, you know, I'd say we're being extremely deliberate with how we deploy capital and, and what we focus on to create value, not to sell the company necessarily or not to make it more attractive to a particular buyer mm-hmm. or type of buyer. Um, in our case, you know, it's a, it's a crowded space or there are crowded <laughs> adjacent spaces. So we spent three years um, securing a remarkable amount of an intellectual property so that if someday down the road someone did want to talk to us about 
partnership or acquisition, we could clearly demonstrate that we owned our space, mm-hmm. and that was really important. So again, not, not building the company to sell it, but building an asset that we could maintain and grow and protect and demonstrate you know, a commanding position in the market someday if we were still independent at that time. What role does the, the strategic investor you have in the company now, um, how, does that, how does it affect the f- your ability to sell it in, in the future? Is, that, is it just an investment deal, there's no, there's no commitment to it, or is it one of those deals where they're kind of giving you the money to, to prove that it works and there's an idea of what might happen later on? Yeah, I would say in our case, uh, there, are, there are no restrictions on who we may bring into the deal going forward and other capital we may raise from strategics. It's a, we have a very supportive partner. Uh, there are very limited rights involved with their investment, um, so it's really a, it's a net positive. They're they're close to what we're doing and part of, uh, you know, the process and and the project and understand where we're headed. Mm-hmm. But we're not restricted in any way from what we can do or who we might partner partner with down the road. So it's I think it's the best of both worlds. Obviously, in this environment, eventually there may be conversations about a, st- a structured exit. Those are more common now, and so that would be of interest to us. But at this point, you know, the the uh, deck is wide open, and so it's really a, a positive for both both groups. If we were sitting on the stage of, of the MedTech conference, which is happening on June 1st, um, and we were talking about the state of M&A and MedTech, how would you define the, the state of an M&A from a, the point of view of a, a startup CEO? Do you f- still feel there's a lot of opportunities for that? Is it feeling a little barren because of some of the, the changes going on uh, with the larger companies in, in MedTech? What's your general sense from your, your point of view and from the points of view of people you work with? Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's been a little quiet these last six months since the, the transcatheter, the most recent sort of frothy mm-hmm. trans, transcatheter mitral um, bun yep. last year. That was good. You know, I think, you know, and not surprisingly, um, the, the late-stage deals seem to be going even later. Mm-hmm. And so their, you know, Cameron and Visiogen were acquired about the time they got FDA approval. I think some of those late-stage deals are being pushed even later by the strategics to be de-risked even further. Mm-hmm. And strategics are looking for... EBITDA in a lot of cases, so they're, they're looking for companies that are close to cash flow positive um, or cash flow positive. So those are sort of drifting later and later. The little companies like Metavention, the early stage uh, environment is still extremely tough. And I think, uh, uh, you know, what few early stage companies may be acquired are those that have really differentiated assets mm-hmm. in really important markets and an environment where you can create competition for that asset early. Mm-hmm. And so those are the, again, with Metavention, those are the three boxes that are clearly checked. It's why I'm involved with such an early venture, because I think it's extremely compelling. And so in our case, again, you know, we're trying to build value. We'll see what happens, but we're not betting on an early exit. And there are very few, I think, that can exit early with a, an, a compelling clinical trial data set mm-hmm. and, and not yet have FDA approval, not yet have de-risk the European environment, the commercial environment. Those are a lot of boxes that the strategics are now requiring to be checked um, before they're actually moving to acquire an asset, from what I can tell. Sure, and that's the point of view we're looking for. What What are the opportunities that come with uh, events like the MedTech Conference where you've got strategics and investors and startup CEOs all coming together? Does that help foster future M&A? Does it help sort of, uh, um, um, I guess, fertilize the fields a bit that something may improve down the road? Yeah, and, and it's not a surprise to anyone. I think you know our, our industry is small enough um, that relationships are critical. And, and events like this one that connect, you know, the investors and the strategics and the innovators and allows them, it allows them to sit down and say, well, you know, what's interesting to you? What mm-hmm. sorts of assets could we build and finance that would ultimately be uh, an interesting part of your portfolio, you know, to the strategics? And, and you know, understand where the holes are in, in their portfolios. And, and we have limited enough capital um, that we should be focused on the areas that are really going to move the needle. 
and on creating um, opportunities and technologies that are going to be important to the strategics and the payers and the, and the patients and all of the stakeholders because those are the ones that are going to move the industry forward. And so these sorts of events, in my mind, you know, are a great way to reconnect. In, in our case, this is probably the, um, you know, the benchmark event here in, in this market in Minneapolis. A lot of folks come to this meeting each year because it's their chance to get reconnected with the ecosystem and the partners that they don't often see um, that, that help fuel this innovation engine. And it's also a chance for us here in the Midwest to demonstrate uh, to the folks on the coast, perhaps, you know, what, what we've got and why this is such a special place to be developing technology. So I, it's a... It probably sounds trite, but it's a great chance uh, once a year for me to reconnect and understand what's going on mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and understand where the industry's headed. Well, we really enjoy coming to Minneapolis each year to put this event on, and, and I really appreciate your friendship and leadership in making this happen. Thank you. Happy to be involved. Well, that is a wrap. Kevin Hikes, once again, thank you for all the work you've done for the MedTech Conference in the past and all the work you will do uh, in the months coming as we get the MedTech Conference together. Go to medtechconference.com to uh, find out more information. Uh, If you enjoyed this podcast, please do tell your friends. We've got uh, many more already, uh, many more interviews done. We will be sending them out to you via the MedTech Talk newsletter. If you'd like to receive that in your inbox, if you haven't seen that yet, just go to healthfg.com. Just give us your email and we will send you the MedTech Talk newsletter. You'll not only get this podcast and uh, some great information about the guests on this podcast, but also a link to uh, some of our excellent video interviews and some of our uh, highlights from past MedTech conferences, usually the the one most recent in uh, 2016. So this is a a great free package uh, for MedTech entrepreneurs and investors. Just go to healthagy.com, again, that's the word health, followed by letters egy.com to sign up for the MedTech Talk newsletter. So tune in next week. Uh, we'll speak with Stacey Enzing-Sang from Lightstone Ventures about her success in, uh, in starting and selling companies. And then, of course, kind of taking the, uh, the, the role as, as a buyer with her work, uh, working with uh, various strategists, including Covidian most recently. So Stacey's a fantastic person to work with, and uh, I know you'll feel uh, her energy coming through the podcast and the video interview, which we'll send to you next week. So thanks again for joining us. Tune in next week for the interview with Stacy, And don't forget, join us in Minneapolis on June 1st.